to uh, see you and let me say a welcome as well if uh, we've not met before. My name's Charlie and I'm one of the uh, team here as well. Let's hear it for Narek leading the service for the first time with the grown-ups. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, a, a really a, a great big warm welcome to you, and it's wonderful to have you here at St. Mark's today. And uh, I guess it doesn't need um, me to sort of point out that we're meeting really at a very interesting time uh, in all sorts of ways. This is an interesting time uh, politically, interesting time economically, an interesting time epidemiologically and culturally and uh, socially. But it's, uh, it's also an interesting time, I believe, spiritually. And uh, many people have pointed out that one of the interesting things which is really happening at the moment is that as a result of kind of everything going on uh, in our world right now with the pandemic and the, and the lockdown and the recession and so on, it seems that more people are uh, interested in asking the big questions of faith than perhaps normal. Um, people uh, people are, are more uh, open to kind of religion and prayer and church and Christianity um, than perhaps is, is normally the case. And maybe that's because, well, perhaps when it's sort of kind of business as usual, in inverted commas, um, and uh, when everything is kind of going along as normal, uh, you know, many people feel, well, we, we're, we're kind of all right without God. We haven't got much need of him. Um, but Really, the events of this year have brought us up short in so many different ways. And so people are wondering, well, maybe I've uh, glossed over um, Christian faith too easily in the past and not really given it uh, a careful look. And so people are Googling, how can I pray? And people are uh, turning up online to uh, Christian kind of events and so on in a way that shows that there's really an openness to spirituality and religion and Christianity than that is normally the case. And so I just want to say, really, if that's you this morning and you're kind of on the fence about belief in God and not really sure what you think about the whole thing, well, a great big welcome to you. And we're glad you're here. And as Narek pointed out, we're calling uh, today Welcome Home Sunday. And, uh, and that's because if anybody uh, feels like, well, I just wonder whether there might be a home for me in the church, well, you're welcome to, to do that exploring here with us at St. Mark's. And I'd like for us to just be uh, thinking for a few moments about that parable, which was so brilliantly uh, acted out by the Winnells family. Thank you so much for that, and introduced to us by Amy. And Jesus was forever telling these parables, these stories, short stories with a kind of a moral message. And this is the parable of the great banquet, and um, you got the gist of it, really. The, the story goes that Jesus says uh, there was a certain man, and he prepared this great feast. And uh, the certain man is God. And then Jesus says, well, he sent his servant to tell everybody the feast is ready. Everybody can come. And the servant is Jesus himself. So as he's telling the, uh, the parable, he's saying he's the one who's been sent by the Father into the world to tell everybody you can come and know God. And so the invitation goes out. But uh, sadly, as the story unfolds, you know, everybody's kind of got uh, a better offer or, or more important things to be getting on with. And so one by one, they kind of make excuses and they bail. Um, and the first guy has bought a field. The second guy has um, uh, just uh, bought a whole load of, uh, well, five yoke of oxen is the original translation. I didn't realize it was T-Rexes, was, uh, um, uh, was the, the farmyard animals. Um, and the third guy has um, just got married. And so the host of the party obviously is understandably kind of miffed and says, well, no, come on, there's plenty of room. We want everybody to, to come. And so uh, the invitation goes out absolutely to everybody. And it's an amazing thing that 
the people who are a part of this gathering are not the sort of people who you would expect, especially in ancient society, of probably to have got an, inv an invite to such a great feast like that. You know, these are really the poor and uh, the cripples and the blind and the lame and those who perhaps society would have looked over are the ones who are welcome in the kingdom of God. And uh, the story finishes up that, uh, as Jesus often said, in fact, he said it in the previous chapter of Luke's gospel, which is where the parable is recorded. He was very often saying, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And that's the case here. The, the ones who were originally invited, uh, kind of the ones you might expect to be part of the kingdom of heaven, the religious people, uh, they weren't going to get a taste of the banquet. Um, so the first were last, and the last, in other words, the poor and, uh, uh, and the sick and so on, are the ones who are going to enjoy this great feast. Well, what's, I mean, what's it got to say to us today? In, in, here we are in 21st century London. Perhaps we're sitting on the fence about Christian faith and, and, and asking the big questions of life. What's this story got to say to us? I think it's amazingly contemporary. And if anybody's in that category this morning, just tipping their toe into, into spirituality and Christian things, we might be asking a few questions which I think this parable speaks straight into. We might have a few hesitations and uh, so here are three. We might think, well, hesitation number one, I'm not really sure Christianity is that great. Uh, two, we might think, well, I'm not sure it's for me. And thirdly, we might think, I'm not sure I really want to commit. And this parable of Jesus is, has something to say to all three of those uh, hesitations that somebody on the fence this morning might have. Firstly, anybody who thinks, um, well, I'm not sure Christianity is that great. And that's, I think, kind of uh, pretty, we can sympathize with that. Probably everybody's got a bit of a, per a perception of Christianity that's not particularly interesting. You know, maybe as John Wheeler was talking, you know, he was saying that, uh, uh, you know, what do you think Christians are going to be like? They probably, will I have to wear, if I'm going to become a Christian, will I have to wear sandals and socks? Is it going to kind of make my life a bit more boring? Um, maybe somebody's on the edge and thinking of, of Christian faith and thinking, well, maybe there's something in it, but if I become a Christian, you know, what will my friends think? Um, it's going to perhaps, might be true, but it might make my life worse. Maybe Christianity isn't that great. Well, if we're thinking that this morning, I think um, what I would just, have a think about this. If you were going to come up with a metaphor for what it's like to know God and for what Christianity really is, what metaphor would you, what, would you give? What story would you tell? How would Jesus tell his parable? Because I think we might say something, we might imagine Jesus to say, uh, you know, the kingdom of heaven, uh, it's like a school. You know, because we probably have this idea, well, Christianity, there's probably all sorts of religious knowledge I need to accumulate. You know, I need to swat up on loads of books and I probably need to read the Bible and, you know, maybe sort of, uh, it's like a bit like a school. Or maybe it's a bit like a, a GP surgery or a hospital because maybe, you know, Christianity says that there's some kind of, you know, we, we, we all need healing somehow spiritually or there's something wrong with us. We need some medicine or some surgery and maybe uh, the church is a bit like a hospital. Or maybe we might say, well, uh, you know, that Jesus would tell his parable, um, the kingdom of uh, God is, is like, um, like a police station or like a courtroom because it's got something to do with right and wrong and behavior. And maybe, uh, you know, if I become a Christian, well, it's going to kind of inform me about justice and I'm going to reform my, um, my, my ways. Well, I think we might, those might be our kind of perceptions. I think there's something which is true about all of those kind of ideas. And actually, you know, Christianity has got something to say to us about spiritual knowledge, and it has got something to say to us about spiritual health and spiritual justice. And Jesus elsewhere describes himself as being like a teacher and like a doctor and being like a judge. But not here. 
here in this parable, he doesn't give the metaphor in this parable of the kingdom of heaven is like a school or a police station or a prison or a hospital. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a party. The kingdom of heaven is like a party. And for anybody who's just wondering this morning, well, maybe there's something in, that, in Christianity, but I'm not sure it's that great. I just would encourage you to hear the invitation this morning of Jesus. And he says to you, do you want to come to a party? I think that changes everything. I think that makes it you know, way more exciting. And maybe that's something that we would respond to in a much better way. And we think, well, maybe Christianity isn't that great. Well, Jesus says that it's not just any old party. It's a great banquet that's being thrown. And that's what the story says. And if you know, the story was originally written in Greek, you know, the Greek for great is mega. And so Jesus is saying, would you like to come to a party? It's going to be a mega party. Would you like to come? And I wonder whether that just shifts our conception of perhaps uh, if, you know, if you know a Christian and they don't look particularly excited about it or they seem pretty miserable, I think you could legitimately ask a question whether they might have overlooked something about the Christian faith. Because here's Jesus saying, look, the invitation is to a party. Do you want to come? But secondly, we might wonder, well, I'm not sure it's for me. I'm not really sure... I'm actually invited, you know, it's not, maybe I'm not actually on the guest list. Maybe kind of Christianity is kind of an exclusive thing over here for religious people. And that's really not me, you know. I've never, uh, um, I've never thought about this too much before. And I'm sure I'm probably not the kind of person which Christianity is designed for. Well, I wonder whether that was kind of in the mind of the person who asked the original question that prompted Jesus to tell this story. Because yeah, if you noticed at the start of the uh, uh, story, it was, it was acted out. It was actually at a party that Jesus told this parable. He was forever telling these short stories and turning everyday situations into something he could turn into a lesson. You know, if he was fishing, he would say, well, look, here's a story about a fishing. Uh, Or, you know, if if they were farmers, well, here's a story about seed. Here he is at uh, a party, and he says, well, the kingdom of heaven is like a party. And the person at the start of the party, just before the parable at the party, says to Jesus, "Um, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And, you know, maybe he's got that kind of exclusivity in mind because he says, blessed is the one. You know, maybe there's only going to be a handful. The Holy of Holies is the place for, you know, it's going to be like, blessed are those who've got the golden ticket. And Jesus says, well, no, you kind of got the wrong idea if you think this is exclusive because he says the, 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 the host is organizing a party and he invited many guests. In fact, everybody's invited. If you read through uh, the Gospels and you know anything about Jesus at all, he's got a universal, global vision for the kingdom of heaven. The last thing he said was go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. And so if we're wondering, hmm, I think I'm kind of excluded by this. No, Jesus says it's absolutely every, everybody. And we might think, well, I'm not sure, you know, if he really knew me, if he knew my background. You know, I'm not, I, I, I'm not the most impressive kind of person. I haven't got the right education, I've been to the right school, I haven't got a very impressive job, you know, maybe I'm not particularly kind of popular, I haven't got many friends, I'm not very impressive, I haven't, you know, all these reasons why we might disqualify ourselves from an invitation. Well, the fact is that Jesus does know you. He absolutely knows everything about you because he made you. And Jesus says elsewhere, you know, think of the sparrows. They don't even, one of them doesn't fall to the ground without the Father knowing about it. How much more valuable are you to him than sparrows. He knows the number of hairs on your head. For some of us, fewer than uh, for others. But he knows you this morning, and he knows who you are. He knows your background. He knows your past and the things you're ashamed of and the things you're hopeful of, and he knows what you're up to this week coming. And he doesn't just say, I'm throwing a party, and it's over these people over here. He's saying, I'm throwing a party, and I want you to be there. 
Even the people who think that they're disqualified, look at the people who end up at the end of the party. It's the people who are the poor and those who are looked over by society and the ones who wouldn't expect to get an invitation like this. Even those people are the ones who are the guests of honor because the last are first in Jesus' kingdom. So here we are this morning wondering, well, I'm just not sure it's for me. Well, what difference does it make if Jesus is saying, I'm throwing a party and I want the poor there. I want you there. If you're an agnostic or an atheist even, you're welcome. Well, we might think, okay, but, you know, I'm not really sure whether I can, can commit. Um, I'm just not sure I want to commit to it. And I think we can probably sympathize with that. We live in a pretty commitment-phobic kind of a world. Nobody wants to commit to anything in 2020, do they? I mean, uh, we, you know, we're, we're kind of on the fence about everything. And uh, anybody invites you to anything, do you want to RSVP on Facebook to my event? Maybe. Um, nobody wants to commit. There's so many other things which are going on. We're busy Londoners and there's plenty of distractions. And maybe we're kind of distracted with the accumulation of whatever it is we've got our eyes on, this new thing, you know, uh, where maybe we're going to get a new, I don't know, a new toy or a new phone or a new wardrobe or a new car or a new house. So we've got to get on the property ladder. And um, one friend of mine uh, admitted to me the other day that, uh, that, you know, their guilty pleasure was right move. And I could spend all day on right move just wondering about what the kind of next thing I could buy that get on the property ladder. Or maybe it's uh, our career. And, um, you know, we're Londoners, we're all about our jobs and, and uh, we're willing to make sacrifices in order to be able to get ahead. We'll give up our evenings and our weekends in order to be able to commit to our work. Or maybe it's the relationship that we're taking up all our time. Who's got time for anything when we're thinking about maybe we want to date somebody or maybe getting into a serious relationship, think about getting married, maybe planning a wedding. You know, we got married a few years ago, couldn't think about anything else for months. Got, you should have seen the spreadsheet, the number of tabs on it that we needed to do all this stuff in order to be able to plan the wedding. And maybe it's a combination of all of those three. You know, relationships or materialism or career. And funnily enough, those are the three excuses that the people in amazingly contemporary Jesus' teaching 2,000 years on, people haven't changed. The three excuses that uh, the guys make in the story, the first one's just bought a field, they just invested in property, just been on right moves, sort of working out what am I going to invest in some property here. The second one's just uh, bought five yoke of oxen, you know, he's obviously a farmer and he's concerned about his livelihood and putting food on the table, he's a career man. And the third one, he's just got married, it's relationships, and those are the same three things which take up all of our time today. And so in amongst all of that, who's got time even to think about being invited to a party or coming into a relationship with the living God? Well, the point, I think, the punchline of this parable is that as you read it through, I think we're supposed to think, you know what, these three excuses are ridiculous. They're so stupid if they think that those are more important because actually the whole point is this party is going to be amazing and can't those other things wait? You know, can't the field isn't going anywhere? Uh, the, the the five yoke of oxen they can you know they can they can wait or even the, the guy who's just got married he could have brought his wife along if he wanted an extra plus one I'm sure there'd have been room for her as well. But how often do people just uh, get into a relationship with somebody who isn't interested in the great eternal banquet, and uh, and 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 then put it on the back burner and say sorry I'm going to make an excuse and I'm not going to think about it. Well, I think that if that's us. Uh, there's a sense in which we ought to ask the question, look, if what's on the table is the opportunity to come into a relationship with the living God who made us, who loves us, who's provided for us and got a plan for us and a purpose for us and he's got an internal inheritance for us and a, a heaven 
where every tear will be wiped away and everything wrong will be put right and every bandaged up, every broken heart. You know, isn't nobody's going to say on their deathbed, I wish I'd have spent more time in the office. I wish I'd have given more time to that. This is really what matters and this is asking us to just check our priorities about what's important to us. When we see how incredible the invitation is that we've all been offered and in fact how much the host has committed to us in making the invitation you know when we're invited to a party we go i definitely want to be there because i know how much it costs to put on one of those things and how much my per head invitation is worth well how much the invitation is worth in order to come into a relationship with the living god it costs jesus his very life in order to be able to secure for us an invitation let's not make the same mistake as these three guys and overlook it you know i um a few Christmases ago, um, uh, something came through the post for me. It was a um, kind of a postcard which said, uh, Christmas drinks at Tottenham Hall. And uh, I lived in, out in the countryside at the time, and Tottenham was, um, you know, kind of a few villages along from where I lived. And there was a village hall there. And I thought, oh, Christmas drinks at Tottenham Hall. Do I really want to go to that? It was on a Friday night. And, uh, and I thought, well, it's going to be, I'm going to be the youngest there by a mile. And uh, I'm going to bring the average age down considerably. Uh, and it's probably not going to be very exciting. You know, Christmas drinks in Tottenham Hall. Uh, it's going to be, I know what it's, it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, kind of cold mince pies and non-alcoholic mulled wine. And, uh, you know, I've probably got better things to be doing. Do I really want to give up my Friday night? And do you know what? I just <laughs> I took one look at this. It's all, I'm a bad person. I looked at it and I didn't even RSVP. I put it straight in the recycling. It was a few years ago when I was young and, and, uh, and, and ignorant and so on. Um, but uh, I just looked once at this invitation and thought, that's going to be rubbish. The next week, everybody was raving about this incredible event that they'd been to. And I just was, there was a circle of people talking about this amazing reception and the incredible setting. And I sort of was muscling into the conversation. And what are you guys talking about? Oh, weren't you invited to this amazing drinks? Uh, and turns out Tottenham Hall, it wasn't Tottenham Village Hall at all. It was one of these enormous mansions. You know, when you wonder, shouldn't this house be kind of owned by the National Trust or something like that? It's a vast, kind of palatial place. And there was this amazing drinks with these incredible canapes. And wasn't the hospitality so amazing? And wasn't it so grand? And didn't we all have an amazing time and I just thought what a fool what an idiot I look once at this invitation I thought that's going to be rubbish it's probably not going to be that great it's probably not even for me they've only invited me out of politeness because I'm the youth worker at the church and they feel they ought to have me along uh, so it's not even I'm not really even on the guest list and and thirdly you know what I've got better things to do well look if you're on the fence about Christianity this morning and you're just asking those questions let me encourage you to reevaluate that invitation which we've all been given. Narek mentioned Alpha, which is coming up, and we have Alpha at St. Mark's here every term. It's just an opportunity to come along for a few weeks uh, uh, to just kind of ask whatever question you like. And here we are as Londoners, we're asking the big questions at the moment, and this is the place to come and ask them. No questions too stupid. And uh, you'll meet very interesting people in your socially distant groups of six uh, who are all asking the same questions as well. And just come and have a reevaluate of that invitation and see whether there might not be something more to it than perhaps we'd initially thought. Let me pray. Shall we stand? Lord God, I just want to pray for anybody who here this morning is kind of dipping their toe in and wondering, well, maybe there is something in Christianity that I've just looked over it um, in the past, given it the once over and decided it's not for me. 
I pray for anybody who's just right now feeling a sense of, huh, maybe there's more here than I first thought. I pray that you give us the confidence to be able to admit maybe where we've been a bit proud and uh, we've written off on the basis of kind of ill-conceived misconceptions about socks and sandals and, and boringness that actually, Lord, here might be an invitation to something more glorious, more wonderful than we could ever have imagined, an eternal banquet, a great feast where we will agree with that guy who started off this story, blessed is the one who will eat at that great feast in the kingdom of God. And we thank you so much for being the great host. We thank you for organizing the spread. We thank you for sending out the invitations and we thank you that our name is on it. And we pray that you'd help us to not to make stupid excuses We pray that you'd help us to commit. And we pray, Lord, for your blessing upon us as we uh, ask those questions together, that you'd help us, that you'd be with us, you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit. And we look forward to that day, one day, Lord, where every tear will be wiped away, every sickness will be healed, every wrong will be put right. And we will dwell with you for eternity. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray.